Welcome in. You are listening to another episode of keepthechange.co.nz's Money Mail. I hope that you're having a lovely, long weekend if you're in the 09 in Auckland because it is a public holiday here today, Auckland Anniversary Day. Uh, but for the rest of the people around the country, you're probably deep in it, getting some work done. Recently as well, you would have heard that there's a bit of a change to keep the change where each Monday you're going to get a old podcast in case you weren't listening that you can tune into. And I was actually just listening to that myself uh, because it was about how to crush or do well in 2022. So I'm always interested as well to just go back and check in on what things I was thinking about. Am I still practicing those things? Am I forgetting some of those things? And one of the little pieces in there that I feel like I have been speaking about recently is just writing down reminders for yourself because I was talking about affirmations, which some people, you know, if you use that word, people are probably going to be like, oh, that's, you know, what a lot of shit. I saw DJ Okovich, the uh, tennis player, you know, I'm not very good with pronouncing the right tennis players' names, Nick Kyrgyzos, uh, DJ Okovich can play a tune and play a good game of tennis as well. But he was talking about how someone was saying, hey, you've got a gift of good mental strength. And he was like, whoa, 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 hang on. That's not a gift that is learned and it is practiced. And he was explaining some of the ways that he does that. But he's basically saying, you know, I don't just believe in telling myself positive things and everything is going to be positive. And I think that's what happens with affirmations is people go, oh, that's just a lot of wishy-washy bullshit. But If you don't then use that word, and what I was basically saying on the pod is to not look at them as affirmations, but but use them as reminders, and that way you can see them more often in your life. Now, one thing that I've been saying recently is write down opportunities, and because then you'll start looking for them. If you're struggling to see the positive out there, then practice being grateful and write down positive things so that you start to see more positive things happening in your life. Now, I have behind me in my desk, which I come in here probably six times a week, something good will happen for you today. Now, that's been there for, I don't know, a fair while now. I don't see that every day and see it, see it, but sometimes I do. But it's there, it's served as a reminder to just basically, you know, I I want clients to almost spot that as well. No one's ever asked me about it, but it's a very positive thing to have in your environment, right? Now, I listened to an outstanding piece of content with Tony Robbins being interviewed recently, and he was talking about how, uh, you know, we're in the winter at the moment, and it's it's hard out there, and and we don't need to go too deep into that. We, We know that, but spring always follows the winter, and these things are cyclical and cyclical, And it gave me a lot of confidence of like, yeah, cool, like just keep doing the right things and eventually we get back into the boom times. And a lot of this content is designed to to show you how to do that and to try and keep you motivated to do that stuff as well. So by writing down that there are opportunities out there, you're going to be more inclined to be seeing opportunities and seeing things as opportunities than the 
winter that you're currently facing and hearing about constantly, you know, that things are tough and interest rates are high and disposable dollars decreasing and everything is basically that there's not much opportunity, right? Because it's recessionary type feeling and whatnot. So to then lead into another article I was reading, which is basically saying, hey, if we look at house prices for first home buyers, the type of area of the market that they normally buy, those prices haven't really moved for a year. Now, then if we look at interest rates, they haven't changed too much on average from 2022 to 2023. And then if we look at wages, they've slightly increased and that can combat any change in interest or average interest rate from 2022 to the end of 2023. And of course, then costs of things have gotten a bit more expensive. So depending on the way that you're living, your income increasing should have offset that a little bit, but that's going to be different for each of us. However, the overall summary is that the housing market for first-time buyers hasn't really changed. Things haven't become drastically different from the end of 2022 to the end of 2023. Now, imagine if you really wanted to get into your first home, but you believed that it was going to get too hard or it was not possible because that's what you're seeing, right? But you're not seeing the positive on the other side because I, you know, as an example, um, Mike and I did that podcast about unaffordability for first-home buyers based on history, and that's where we are. And then we're like, okay, well, now we need to do one on the ultimate first-home buyer's deposit guide so that you can go right problem, but here's a look at some solutions and what other people are doing. But back to the article, we're thinking about, imagine if we just did nothing for a year because we believed that it wasn't possible and it was too hard and this isn't the right time to be doing those things. You waste a year, the year's gone, right? So again, it's a reminder of like map your actions back to the goals and the plans that you have and the things that you want to be doing. So you want to be reminding yourself, like, I will buy my first home. You know, I, I am a homeowner is what you would be writing down. And you are like, I'm finding ways to save for a deposit for a home. So you're stepping into that ahead of it happening so that your brain is helping you find those answers and you're looking for opportunities and you're looking for ways to add a bit of extra income and you're finding the right education. You're talking to the people that have done it. You're reading the right articles and you're, you know, you're, you're acknowledging that it's tricky, but you're in the fight rather than going out there and constantly looking at, you can't buy your first home. It's not possible. Interest rates are too high. It's never been more unaffordable. Fuck, why, you know, um, poor me, all of that stuff, right? And yes, like we're all, we've all got a different starting point and I acknowledge that and I accept that. I don't want people, whatever your goal is, to just think that you can't have something. So I think that affirmations and writing down reminders for yourself is, is really, really important. Now, then I want to take you to my weekend where I hosted my annual horse racing event. I had a sold out room of 850 people and it was, it was a great weekend. I stayed out very late afterwards. So it's very tired, but I got about 10 hours sleep uninterrupted last night. Back into the gym, got to get back into the routine and stuff today, back in here on a public holiday. But one of the really cool moments for me is that the Prime Minister came into the room because... He was coming to the racetrack to just see what's happening. You know, whether you're not into horse racing or not, completely fine with that. But, you know, it's an export product and it's what they're trying to sort of grow at the moment. There's a lot of positive movement. So they had the Prime Minister there and one part of his day was like, you've got to go and see uh, Luke's room, the BGP room and go and be a part of that and just, you know, learn a little bit about 
what they're up to and, and whatnot. So but a lot of people didn't even know that he was coming. And uh, I could see the look of surprise on some of these people's faces when he's just strolling through our room. But on that too, I couldn't give a fuck if it was David Seymour, if it was uh, Chloe Swarbrook, if it was Chris Hipkins. I still have respect for people doing their job. So again, I'm a big advocate for two ticks yourself. Like that's how you want to roll. But I have respect for all political parties, wherever they sit, whatever they do. They got voted in. They've done their job. That's not for me to say to them, like, I don't want you in here. You know, if they want to be in there, then that's cool. So obviously you probably copped a bit of like, oh, I, you know, just stuff about well, people wouldn't like him, right? And so people were like, oh, well, you know, why, why is he in there? It's like, well, you know, what, why shouldn't he be in there? Anyway, same thing. If it was Hipkins, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Now, I had a really buzzy moment where basically I was introduced to him. Uh, hey, this is Luke, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This guy makes a success of everything he does. Imagine being introduced to the Prime Minister and being introduced that you make a success of everything you do. Like, that's a pretty buzzy moment that I get to keep now uh, and tuck away. But that doesn't come from not doing shit and taking action. If I stayed the old version of me that knew I had large potential and could achieve a lot of stuff, I don't get that moment. So when Mikey jokingly talks about how I take violent action, he's basically, this is the outcome of doing that. I get a lot of shit wrong and I make a lot of mistakes and I don't succeed in everything I do in terms of like every piece within things, but I fail, I learn and I get back up and I go again. And that is violent action. That's continuing to do shit. And eventually, and you you remind yourself of that and you go, that didn't work. I've got to get back up and carry on. And then you have a moment where you get introduced to the prime minister and someone says, because that's obviously what they see in you when they introduce you and they say uh, that this person makes the success of everything they do. Cool moment for me. Hopefully that's inspiring for you. And again, a reminder to back yourself and you know to, to think about yourself as successful as well. So you start displaying that. And that's definitely something that I've learned to do and to have courage in myself and to know that I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time, but I can figure it out. And if I just keep pushing, then the answers will become a bit clearer and then I can see what does and doesn't work. And if I focus more on what does work and less of what doesn't work, then the success starts to come. So hopefully in that 12 minutes to get us started, you will see something that you can learn from there. But it's very applicable to this week because in Money Mail, we're talking about big changes that have happened. Now, I've called this, will interest rates change or will you? Because everyone's getting excited about interest rates dropping in 2024. Speaking to a real estate agent a week ago, and then again, a brief message this morning, the anticipation of interest rates decreasing has meant that a lot of people are getting in touch, being like, we got to do something, let's roll. And I think there's a big hope from people that interest rates will decrease. And so then they're thinking, right, everything's going to be better, everything's going to change, or I can make some changes. And there's some merit to that argument, right? And I think a lot of people will be excited by that. But interestingly, non-tradable inflation, so effectively 
domestic inflation is still very high and it's not coming down. But overall inflation is because it's being then brought down by what's happening internationally with international prices decreasing. Uh, so our tradable inflation is, so what's coming in and, and out of the country and whatnot. Now, that's kind of scary because we could then argue, well, interest rates need to be higher for longer to try and tame inflation here. And remember too, a lot of you, I tried to tell you, don't buy into this whole, oh, inflation's a global problem. And I would say, well, it's a fucking global problem that people keep saying that because what it means is you go, well, I don't need to do anything. Well, it's now getting under control internationally, but ours is still really bad domestically. So where's that argument gone, right? And that's the critical thinking you have to have in learning about these things to go, well, okay, it's a global problem. Cool. So that means we're all facing it. So what, do I just do nothing? Because that's what I got taught, that it's a global problem. Or is that a, well, fuck, I better find out what some of the solutions are. And that's what we've been uh, trying to show you is some of those those solutions. But anyway, you could make a big argument for the fact that interest rates don't come down because inflation here in New Zealand is still really high and it's not within the 1% to 3% band. And then equally, you could say, and I saw something today saying, well, maybe we shouldn't have raised interest rates because it hasn't done anything to fix domestic inflation here in New Zealand. But imagine what it would look like if people still had the disposable income that they had if interest rates hadn't risen. It would be very interesting to see what the housing market would look like, what people were buying and selling and, and what's happening. But anyway, let's do a pod on that once we find out what the next OCR announcement is. But Back to our interest rates dropping in 2024 and there's hope that the rates will drop and the housing market will increase as it has in the past upward to the right. Kiwis love the housing market increasing while those who own homes do, right? Given that roughly one third of Kiwis are mortgage free, so they probably own a home and a third have a mortgage, you can see why two thirds of the country are pretty happy when house prices are increasing. It makes it easier to borrow because rates are lower so that debt can be serviced and owners have built up more equity. The above can also be helpful for small business owners who may need to borrow against the home to have a crack at an opportunity in their business. Just on that, if you go and try and borrow for your business, it can be very hard to get lending. It can be very expensive. You could be looking at 18% rates for overdrafts, but you can get a credit card at 18%, right? Or probably even higher these days. So if a business wants to borrow and they're not borrowing specifically for an asset because then the asset can be sold should they not be able to pay the debt back. So that rate might be about 9 to 12%. If you're just purely trying to borrow some money to do some more shit in your business, you're probably going to be getting whacked at around 18 to 20%, even 36%, depending on how secure or unsecure the debt is. But when people have more equity in their homes, they can go and borrow against them if they want to and look at doing things like putting pools in or building a deck and and those sorts of things. But equally, business owners can go, well, I want to take some more risk in my business. I need some more business debt. Can I borrow against my property Yes, I probably can. I can increase my mortgage and it's going to be at a lower rate. So household confidence seems to increase and stem from that. Psychologically, we have the feeling that we're getting richer and that our debt is shrinking. So sure, maybe in 2024, we will finally see a reprieve in interest rates. Perhaps people can pay back their loans faster as well, should they choose to. But this isn't the best way to get these loans down. And you might not have a mortgage. You might be in the one third that's trying to get there. Don't just think, okay, this isn't to do with me because I don't have a mortgage. Think about these principles. So this is the number one hack to shave years off of your mortgage. One, earn more money, increase disposable income. There's been so many lessons and teachings on how to do that. And it's so cool now to see people sending in how they've done it to basically be like, well, 
here you go, here is some validation that KTC isn't just talking shit. So say you had a mortgage, then you would be trying to earn more and increase your disposable income and pay it off faster. You'd be stopping looking for hacks and go and do what you need to do. It's hard and we don't want to do it, but it's really, really powerful. Now let's look at a $500,000 loan at an average of 4.5% over 30 years. Many Kiwis have a spare room in their house. If they had a border and made an extra $400 in payments per fortnight, so they basically had somebody living with them and they could then pay $400, so the border's paying $200 a week, which you might then fall into the border exemption rules if done properly and not have to pay any tax on that. Of course, you've got to provide power and food and stuff like that for them without boarding with you. Now, if they are a border and you get, let's just say it's 200 so you had 400 bucks a fortnight that you could pay, off of that 500 grand loan, you're going to shave 11 years and seven months off the mortgage. Oh, I don't want someone living with me, etc. All good, but I'm just showing you an example of what is possible. If you had a side hustle and made an extra 200 bucks in payments per month, they'd shave four years, two months off of that mortgage. If they found a way to make $1,000 extra per month after tax and use it for payments, they'd shave 13 years and one month off of the mortgage. Now, This is why it's so, so, so important not to think, oh, it's only an extra $50 a week I'm earning, what's the point? Because that extra $50 might be the difference between you buying your first home four months faster than you thought you could because other people aren't willing to do it, so then you're not competing with them, for instance, or it could be years less that you're repaying a mortgage. Now, what do you do with those extra years? Say you did the 200 bucks per month extra, right? And you save yourself four years, two months. Think about what you would do, like the disposable income you would have at the end of that mortgage. So after 25 and a half years or whatever, think about then what you're going to do with the the amount of money you would be paying down on your mortgage that you don't have to anymore. Would you be investing it? And that's where Lighthouse Financial have that great graph where they show trying to pay off a 30-year mortgage in 10 years, but then then investing the payments for the next 10 years, what that can look like over the next 20. And I think we'd all agree that housing is one of those biggest costs that we have in our lives, and it stops us from being able to do forms of investing. So that's why we want to be trying to encourage ourselves to not just go, uh, it's only $50 a week, it's only an extra couple of hours of work, it's not even worth it. I'd rather have the time and stuff like, yeah, okay, maybe that's that's all good and you want to protect time of your family and stuff like that. But don't turn your nose up at a bit of extra cash because you want to be thinking about the compounding nature of that money, not just what it is in the here and now. Because there's an example that $50 a week extra would save you $66,000 in interest. Now, that is a decent amount of coin, $66,000 that you're saving and you're not paying to the bank that we all complain about how much money they make and whatnot, right? You're not doing that because you're finding a way to increase your loan repayments by $50 a week. Now, why this is applicable is because later this year, it looks like we're going to have tax rate changes. So that means more disposable income for most people. That means that your income is going to stay the same, but the the way it's taxed is different. So your net pay, each pay cycle, will be slightly higher. If I were you, I would start thinking now about what you're going to do with the additional money. If you don't need it, you want to be thinking 
about clearing debt faster and what uh, additional repayment could look like on your mortgage, for instance, or what you're going to put it towards. Are you going to invest it? Because we're all going to have that coin to be thinking about in our back pocket should these interest rates come into play, which it looks like they will from the 1st of July. So more disposable income for most people, right? Now, this year, I've heard from way too many people, way too many times that it's going to be better because of these three things. We've got more certainty with a change in government. There'll be a change in interest rates because they're going to go down and there'll be a change in tax rates. So people psychologically are like, yeah, cool. Everything's going to be better in 2024 and it's going to be a better year than prior years and whatnot. That's all good and well, but we don't know what's around the corner, right? And we don't know what surprises this year has in store for us. But the main thing that I want to highlight here is that with a change in government, so that certainty for the next three years and beyond, change in interest rates decreasing, hopefully, a change in tax rates, very, very likely from the 1st of July, you individually aren't making any of those three changes. And you might argue, well, hang on, I voted for a change of government or whatever, but those aren't three things that you've directly gone out there and changed, right? Those those things are being made for us. Those changes will be made for us. I want you to think about what you can change in 2024 to have a better year than 2023 and then keep the change. The key to this is thinking about what can you be doing, not just falling into the, oh, it'll be better this year because new government, new uh, tax rates that are decreasing, some more disposable income and interest rates are changing. That's not two ticks you. That's not, yeah, but what can I do? What can I do differently? That's again, another example of, oh, but inflation's a global problem. So like, who cares? Why are you even talking about it? Don't need to worry about it. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it does because shit's still getting more expensive and then you're complaining about it because you don't, you've, you've already given up trying to combat it because you've fed yourself and been conditioned to think, well, it's a global problem. I read that or I got told that. So then cool, like, oh, ha ha, you know, nothing, nothing to see here. Again, this will be this year's one is basically, well, it'll be way better because all these things are changing. Yeah, but you're not doing anything individually to go above and beyond that. And that's often what we're trying to get you to think about here at KTC. So please think about what you can do in 2024. Again, going back to the start, if I'm not looking for ways to add value, to look for opportunities, to prove to people that I can achieve things for them, if move their goals forward. And if I'm not doing that stuff and taking that action, then I'm probably not going to get rewarded with the ability to do that for myself. So please, if you haven't yet for 2024, just look at a couple of things that you could be doing differently. Go back to how to destroy 2024. It's one of the most listened to podcasts of Keep the Change History. And think, okay, what can I be doing to ensure that 2024 is a better year than 2023? And a reminder too that only you know how to measure that. We all individually will have different ways to measure whether our years are better than prior years. Now, did you know in 2023, annual non-tradable domestic inflation rate was 5.9%. Now, remember when you used to get told inflation was a global problem? Well, it's still pretty sticky here in New Zealand and annual tradable international inflation was 3%. 
So basically, international type inflation, the things that are impacting our inflation rate, around 3%. What's happening domestically here, still 5.9%. Reminder, target for our overall inflation is 1% to 3%. So even though inflation is now down and under 4% for both tradable and non-tradable, it's still well above what the target range is of 1% to 3%, and it is still nearly double the historic rate over the last 25 years of 2.5%. So good to understand that and good to then be still thinking, okay, I'm not just going to fall into the trap of like, okay, I don't need to worry about inflation because it's coming down now. You want to be thinking about what it is that you can do to combat those things and and understand them as well so that they don't hurt you as much as they potentially can. No doubt a couple of lessons in there for you. Again, be good out there on the old long weekend and I will see you on the next version of Money Mail. Money Mail.